over with. If you have your Bibles now and you found John 14, if you'll stand, uh, we're going to read the first six verses, first three verses, pardon me, first three verses of the 14th chapter of the book of John. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, for the opportunity once again to be able to stand and proclaim your word. Lord, we ask for boldness this morning and for physical strength and for clearness of mind. Help us, Lord, that we might be able to present unto this people what you've presented to us. And Lord, we pray that the blessed Holy Spirit would move in a special way in our midst. Lord, pre-adventure there'd be one here without your Son and Savior, that this morning would be the time you'd open their eyes to the need of receiving him. Have your sweet way now in all things that's said and done in this service. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. We want to speak on the subject of viewing events soon to come to pass soon to come to pass. We've read this portion of scripture that no doubt most of you could quote. It's read probably more than most other passages. John three sixteen and Psalms twenty three might give it a good run for its money, but uh, it's a very comforting part of God's Word. It's used at funerals and when people are sick and sometimes just when trouble invades our lives, we sit down and read. And God said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, God doesn't mean that we ought not to be concerned. I believe that we ought to pray for our country. I believe we ought to pray for our leaders. I believe we ought to pray for one another. We say often here that if we'd pray for one another when we're faithful, wouldn't be so many times we'd have to pray for those that are unfaithful. And so God help us to understand this morning. He's telling us we've got nothing to be troubled about. I've said often this, and it may not mean anything to you, but it means a whole lot to me. A lot of times trouble comes into our lives and we get disturbed and frustrated and any other adjective you want to throw in there. And we feel like just throwing up our hands and saying, I don't know what to do. I've seen and heard of parents, you know, when maybe children were out and they didn't know where they were walking the floor and wringing their hands and worrying. But you know what? God never has walked the floor and rang his hand and worried. You know why? Because there's never been a time when there was one little thing out of his control. And God said, don't you let your heart be troubled. 
And I believe when things get out of control in our lives, if we'll just stay yielded unto him, there'll come a time when he'll bring comfort and peace to our souls. That's a wonderful, comforting word. Now, I suppose every one of us, I was listening to the Sunday Delight singing there this morning, and I thought, boy, old Job knew what he was talking about. He said, man's days are few and full of trouble. But you know, as our days grow fewer and fewer, if you'll pardon the English, those songs that talks about going home grow sweeter and sweeter. And so don't let your hearts be troubled this morning. If you believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus said. And uh, let me inject this. Not part of the message, but I want to inject it since we're talking about having an election next week. Be sure you let the Lord guide you. And he'll, he'll lead you in the right direction. But I believe every message that God sends us has a relevance of the day in which we live. God knew exactly who was going to be here this morning. And he knew exactly what the need in our lives are. And I believe that he'll send something that will comfort us this morning and encourage us and help us that we might determine to go on. My dear friends, this morning I'm here to tell you, unless you make that determination, you will never do one thing for God. How come old Daniel to be able to go through the nines then? Because he purposed in his heart. He made up his mind. He became bulldog stubborn. I'm not going to file myself. That's the only way. If you do not make up your mind, the devil will stop you before you get started. I look around sometimes and my heart grieves over what some people are going through. But at the same time, I kindly smile because the devil is so repetitious you can know what he's going to do before he does it. You take any person that's in this building this morning, and I dare you to, to challenge me on this. You make a determination you're going to walk closer to God this week than you did last week. And you watch the, the devil turn loose on you. He'll do it every time. I mean, you don't, have to, you don't have to be a genius to figure that out. And so I believe as we consider this lesson this morning and the events that lay ahead of us, that it can be a great encouragement to us. And I believe they're coming soon and we need to get our minds set on doing what we can for the Lord while we still have time and opportunity. You know, many times we study the scripture and we even preach it and and uh, we're warned about uh, 
getting our minds up on material things. And certainly we need to be careful about that. Some of us don't have too much trouble with that. But we need to be careful. You know that the, the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. And you can love money and not even have, not even have any. But, but certainly material uh, things on this earth, we ought to be careful that we don't let them consume our time and our effort and our thinking. But there's other things we have to be careful about too. Now me and Brother Mac and Brother Bobby, a few of the fellows up in that age, we have to be careful we don't let our grandchildren get it away. You need to not sit back there so pious, you know. Those sweet little granddaughters and handsome little grandsons can talk you into about anything. And if we're not careful, we'll let them take priority over God. And if we do that, we're wrong. We're not only wrong and, and, and uh, cheating God, but we're cheating those young people. And so I'm just trying to get us to get our minds in the right uh, direction this morning and remember that all these things that we hold so dear to us are temporary. How much longer do you plan on living on there? Well, I can tell you Brother Luther's going to live to be 114 years old. He's already told me. But even there, that's not long. That's very temporary in comparison to eternity. And God said we're to lay up our treasures in heaven. But we have a hard time understanding that sometimes. You know, we come to church and put on our suits and our ties and our best dresses and, and uh, all of that, you know, and Man, we, we get among other Christians and everything's just wonderful and it's easy to praise the Lord. And then Monday morning comes. And we have to put on the overalls and the work clothes and the school clothes. And we go back out into the world and we lose what we felt Sunday. I'm simply this morning trying to convey unto you what I believe that God wants us to understand that the things of eternity is far more important than the things of this earth. And then having said all of that, let me really get to the message. The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is so much information about the coming of the Lord, the second coming of the Lord. And most of us can lay off facts about it just like that. But I wonder if it's really deep down in our heart that the second coming of the Lord could happen. And I almost said at any moment, and I guess it could from our perspective. 
Because as soon as we say second coming, the first thing that pops in my mind is the rapture. But when God talks about the second coming, he's talking about the second advent. He's talking about when Christ comes back and sets his foot down upon the earth. But since that I've mentioned the rapture, let me say this. That the rapture is a scriptural word that you won't find in the Bible. You say, now preacher, that's kind of a mind twister. Now, the, the word rapture means to be caught out. And the word itself is not in the Bible, but caught out is in the Bible. And the rapture is what could happen at any second. And it's the next event on God's calendar. And might I take a moment to say, I'd be as happy as a pig in a mud puddle if it happened this morning. But the rapture is going to happen. And God tells us about that wonderful time. And I want to share it with you this morning. It's found over in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And if we start reading there with verse 13, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Now he doesn't mean there, I don't want you to be uneducated. I've seen a lot of educated people that was ignorant. Now let me, again, I don't want you to misunderstand me. Young people are out here today, and you get all the education you can get. You get out, you say, Mom and Daddy can't send me to college. Get out and get your job. But you can you can have knowledge and you can even have wisdom and still be ignorant of the things of God. And that's what he's talking about. We went to a class reunion yesterday, and I told Sister Billy that had a birthday, I wouldn't tell how old she is, I could. Because she's about a year younger than I am. And I can tell how old I am. (laughs) But one of the guys, I read some scripture. And the scripture that he's read was found in John 15. And he, he, he was reading there where Jesus said, You're not my servants. Because the servant doesn't know what the Lord does. But you're my friends. Because I want you to know what I'm doing. That's what he says here. I'd have, I wouldn't have you to be ignorant over what's going to happen. He said, I'd not have you to be ignorant concerning them which are asleep or those which are dead that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if you believe that Jesus died, if you've been saved, if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep or which are dead in Jesus will God bring with him. Now I'm going to go ahead and read the rest of this because it's, it's a thrill, thrill and we'll come back and say a little bit about it. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. 
For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord, wherefore comfort one another these words. Now here's what it says. God lets us know, and I, and I can tell you, there's not a person in this building this morning knows when God's coming back. But I hope there's not a person in the building that doesn't believe he is coming back. And it's imminent. I mean, he could come any time. I don't know when, when old Gable gets that trumpet to blow, and, and I almost feel like the time's so close, Gable's done got it and started wetting the reed on the end, you know. The Lord's going to walk out one day on the age of glory. Step off that portal. And he's going to come sweeping down through the air. And he's going to call, come up hither. And nobody's going to hear him except the church. And he's not going to come to the ground. But somewhere up above the clouds. I'm going to meet the Lord in there. And so are you if you're saved this morning. And the Lord's going to take us up and where from that moment on Anywhere Jesus is, I'll be there. And man, we sang those, we were talking about, I was talking earlier about singing those songs about going home. But they get to sing those songs too about no more death, no more sickness. Now all these young people sitting down here. Brother John sitting over there kind of smiling now. There won't be any more pills to take. You know, you get up every morning, you get a handful of pills. Get ready to go to bed, you get a handful of pills. Won't be any pills over there. There won't be any cancer. No kind of disease. No funeral wreaths. There's where we will be eternally. God tells us just a little bit more about that over in 1 Corinthians 15, just a couple of verses there, and uh, I've got to get to 15, I'm at the wrong place, 15 verses, 51 and 52. 
I'll show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. In other words, everybody's, everybody's not going to die. But we shall all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. We shall be changed. This corruption must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. That is the rapture. I'm not going to take time to try to deal with meeting all those that's gone on before. But I want us to study a little bit about these events that take place right after the rapture. Our Sunday school for the last couple of weeks have been about the tribulation period. That's happening on earth. I won't be here. But you know the sad part is I may have somebody I love well that is here. But what I'm going to be concerned about is the two events that's going to happen in heaven immediately after the rapture. One of them is the Christian judgment and the other one is the marriage supper of the Lamb. I think reason tells us that the Christian judgment will happen first because the crowns that we win we'll take and lay at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And the Bible lets us know that we must all stand before the judgment seat. <clears throat> now there's a difference in the judgment seat and the judgment bar. We're talking about the Christian judgment. We'll, every individual that goes to the Christian judgment is a saved person, and they'll stand before the judgment seat. You heard uh, Barry tell when he stood here about going to Corinth. There was a judgment seat there. I don't know. I doubt if it was original. I think somebody else had probably built one there. But that's where the people, judges sat when they was having the Olympic Games, for lack of a better term. And uh, they had passed out rewards to the winner. And when we get into the Christian judgment, we will either receive rewards or we'll suffer loss. Now, when God says suffer loss, he doesn't mean you had a reward and now you don't have it. He just means you had an opportunity to get a reward and you didn't get it. And he said there's some people that's going to be there and every one of their works will be burned up. But they'll be saved. But they'll have to go to that marriage supper of the Lamb and stand before him who loved them enough to give his life and suffer and bleed and die and say, I have nothing to offer. You see, God expects service out of us after that we're saved. 
He has a plan for your life. And God expects us to work that plan. And I must hurry, I understand. But everything's going to be brought to light on that day. I was talking to my wife one day and and I said, you know, I don't worry about folk who may lie to me or own me or whatever they might do that might cause me hurt. And then we met some friends and I shared the same thing with them. And I said, the reason I don't is there's coming a day when it's going to be laid out on the table. And there's coming a day when my life is going to be laid out. Now, if you want to get an old Baptist stirred up, you just tell them you're going to have to answer to the Lord for that one day. You say, why are you so hard on the Baptist? Well, because I'm one. Somebody said to a guy I knew one time, said, how come you preach on Baptists all the time? He said, as soon as I get them all straightened out, I'm going to start on somebody else. (laughs) But have you ever thought about that standing before the Lord? Nobody with you. You're there by yourself. Every thought of your mind will be revealed. And I don't believe it's going to be so much what we did or what we failed to do as what the motive was behind it. And the true us is going to be shown to the world. And they won't be any, well, if Van Nichols had done better, I'd have done better. There won't be any of that stuff going on. You see, we're responsible. We're responsible. There's nowhere in this Bible you'll find that God says, you do this if so-and-so does that. He just gives us instructions how to live. Regardless of the circumstances or the obstacles, how to live. Well, as I said, I must hurry along. I could stay on this all day. When Christ comes back, and that's a sermon in itself, and sets his foot down on Mount Olivet, mountain splits open, and he walks down through the eastern gate of Jerusalem, and uh, I'm going to be tagging along back there somewhere behind. And God will set up the millennium reign, thousand-year reign on the earth. But after that will come the great white throne judgment. And the people that's in that great white throne judgment will stand before the judgment bar. Now, what's a judgment bar? Well, I've done been picking on Brother Van. I'll pick on him a little bit more. Brother Brother Van goes to jail and uh, does witnessing every week. And and uh, yeah, I saw his daddy one day, and he said, "Van's in jail." And I said, "I sure am glad he's got kin folks up there. He'll never get out." <laughs> Brother Van does a crime. They arrest him, take him before the jury, and the jury says, guilty as charged. 
and the judge says, on a certain number of days from the day you come back, and I'll tell you what your sentence is. That's what the judgment bar is. Every person that dies without Christ is already guilty. And when you stand before the judgment bar, his sentence will be pronounced, or her sentence will be pronounced. And that sentence will be, depart from me, you cursed that work iniquity. I never knew you. And there's not a single person in that judgment that'll make it into heaven because they'll be judged on their own good works. Their names won't be found written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And here's one of the things, and, and I'm closing with this. Over in the book of the Revelation in chapter 21 and verse 4, the Bible says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. I'm made to ask, why will we have tears? We're already with the Lord. Wherever he is, we're there. Been with him a thousand years. Why are we crying? We'll be, Christ will be out here as the judge and we'll be back here behind him. And some of those we've known well and some of those we've loved well will walk up before God and God will say, depart. You can't tell me we won't cry. But heaven wouldn't be heaven if those things remained in our minds. And when it's all over, God will wipe all remembrance of that individual from our minds. But oh, what we're going to have to go through before that. I trust that God has spoken to your heart this morning. We live in this time, I believe, just before these events take place. I don't believe we have a lot of time. God, God told Paul, said, it's high time you woke up. We need to get busy. I'll ask you to stand if you would, please. We had a prayer and song to come. Brother, brother. Uh, Mac, if you'd come to center, ask Brother Bobby if he'd turn around there, please. Brother John, if you'd come over on this side. We've got these men here this morning for the purpose of helping you if you need counseling. If you'd like to get saved and you don't know how, they can take the Word of God and show you. If you just need some help, somebody to pray with you, they'll be glad to do that. The altars are open. You don't have to be a member of this church to pray on those altars. They belong to God. If you're saved, they belong to your father. Two things will happen. If you come to the altar, God will meet you there. And somebody else will come and pray with you. As we sing, Brother Ray, what's the number? Number nine. Number nine this morning. The cross upon which Jesus died. Would you come this morning?
while God sweetly calls in which we can would you come and it's grace so free is sufficient for me and leave 